0: Good morning. So we start today, I'd like you to think about voices and voices that just enliven your heart and draw you. Uh, Imagine picking up the phone and this voice on the other end says, hello, and you go, oh, yes. So I had a phone call about a month ago now, and um, I picked up the phone and the voice on the end uh, said, "Uh, do you know who this is? Do you recognize my voice? It was somebody I had not spoken with in 30 years, but I recognized his voice. And it helped that my phone had his name printed on it. (laughs) It's so good to hear a familiar voice and you go, yes, and it draws you into relationship. So I I think back to the voices of our kids when they were little. Do you, do you think back to little kids you've known that these cute little voices, without planning, we ended up actually recording uh, each of their voices. Uh, we hadn't really planned it out, but we've got them and we listen to them every once in a while. And we just chuckle and laugh and rejoice because their voices draw us into that connection we had with them back then that we still have now. So, our youngest guy, uh, just thinking back to voices, our youngest guy, Patrick, when he was four or five, used to say, Dad, Dad? I'd say, Yes. And I knew what he was going to say. I love you, he'd say. (laughs) They're great. He'd say it to Sarah, too, except he'd say, Mom, Mom. I love you. so wonderful because voice draws us into connection. So what we're going to focus on this morning in the passage that we come to is voice and ears. The voice of the shepherd and the ears of the sheep. That's where we're going. But before we get there, we need to pull back and see something of the bigger picture first. So, we, we arrive today in John chapter 10, Granville's been going progressively through this amazing book written by uh, this man who was alongside Jesus for three years, describes himself as the one that Jesus loved, loved because he knew himself to be in connection with the Master, and he's writing this all the way through, and we come to chapter 10, but it's right after what was in chapter 9. And in chapter 9, John very deliberately takes the whole chapter to write the story about one man. It's a man who had been born blind and who is miraculously touched by Jesus so that physically he can now see. But what we discover in the chapter, as John lays it out for us, is not only does he physically see, But bit by bit by bit by bit, he becomes more and more spiritually sighted, and he sees more and more and more of who Jesus is. Meanwhile, the Pharisees who claim to be these ones who can see God so clearly, they get progressively and progressively more and more blind to who Jesus actually is. And so here is how that chapter ends, and I want us to look at this portion. Jesus said... For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were there with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? They're offended. They complain. They whine. And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you see... Your guilt remains. So in other words, blindness here is a picture being lost without a clear sighting of God, being without revelation of God himself, being in the dark, being spiritually blind. And if that is where these Pharisees in fact were, then they would not be guilty of turning a blind eye to the revelation of God in Jesus himself. But now they claim to see. And in fact, the revelation of Jesus is right in front of them, staring them right in the face. And they're rejecting it. Jesus says, therefore, you're guilty. Now, having said that, Jesus immediately launches into a new word picture. We're at a bit of a disadvantage in our present text in John's gospel because there are chapter divisions put in. John never wrote those chapter divisions. They got put in later. And sometimes they're helpful to find our way around, sometimes not so much. And in this one, not so much. Because John tells chapter 10 immediately following chapter 9. And in fact, Jesus is speaking at the end of chapter 9. He just keeps on speaking into chapter 10. But he's moving into a new word picture. So what I want to do is just give you a brief outline of where this chapter is going. And then we're going to settle in to the main theme. So here's the progression. Chapter 10, verse 1. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. That's the Pharisees he's talking about and others like them. Verse 2, the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. Who's that? It's Jesus. That's Jesus. Verse 3, the watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. Well, who's that? Well, that's exemplified by the blind man whose eyes have been opened, and he's seeing. So we've had this picture of light and sight, and now we've got this picture developing of voice and hearing. And this image takes us deeper yet into this wonderful aspect of relationship with the one who is central to this whole portion, this whole passage, the shepherd, Jesus himself. He comes to give us life. Verse 10 classic verse. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And he's going to bring us life by laying down his own life. So verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, I think we've heard this verse so often that it just kind of flies over our heads so often. We don't actually settle into what it means. This is an extraordinary thing to say. This is an extraordinary thing for a shepherd to do. In fact, think about it. Who has ever heard of a shepherd laying down his life for the sheep? A shepherd will risk his life to save the sheep. We watch David in the Old Testament doing exactly that. He goes after the lion and the bear to save the sheep, and it's at risk of his own life, but he is trying not to die, right? This shepherd, Jesus says, intentionally gives his own life up in order to save the sheep. It's phenomenal. Now, the upshot is that he gives his sheep eternal life and holds on to them, and will never let them go. And so toward the end of the chapter, verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Isn't that good news? I'm gonna read it again, and I want you with enthusiasm to say hallelujah, okay? <laughs> I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Hallelujah. Amen. So I wanna be one of those sheep, don't you? I don't wanna be a thief or a robber. I don't wanna be connected with the thief or robber. I want the shepherd. So how? How do I get connected with the shepherd? Well, in this passage, the connection happens through the shepherd's voice and the sheep's ears. It's the voice of the shepherd and the ears of the sheep. Hearing the voice is crucial and listening and responding to the voice is absolutely vital. Now, in the big picture, this image has to do with faith. So this is what the blind man did, you see? He exercised faith. He listened and he responded and he entered into relationship with Jesus. This is exactly what the Pharisees did not do. They didn't listen. They didn't enter in. They couldn't see and they were deaf to the voice of the shepherd. Now, changing the image slightly... But still dealing with shepherds and sheep, Jesus goes on, he says, we're going backwards to verse 9, he says, I'm the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. So each of these images, sight and seeing, voice and hearing, gate and access, all of them have to do with connection with Jesus. That's the crucial element. And each of them has to do with a beginning, with an entry point. And so you've got the restoration of sight. You're in darkness, blindness, and all of a sudden you can see. You've got the voice. It catches your attention and it draws you into response and into relationship. You enter in. And the gate was well, this perfect picture of opening up and you enter through it. And so each has to do with beginning points, with entry points, but each of them also has to do with this ongoing connection. It's not just the beginning, but it's the ongoing life of faith. And so sight, well, once you've got it, you use it, right? And you walk in it. The gate, Jesus says he will come in and go out and find pasture. It's the ongoing access to life. And hearing? Well, to have ears to hear, this is powerfully about connection. It's powerfully about relationship, ongoing relationship, ongoing connection. So this is where we're now going to spend our time. The voice and ears to hear. voice of the shepherd, ears of the sheep. So I'm going to assume that we all have responded, we have entered in, to relationship with Jesus already. And if that's not yet true for you, either here or online, at the end, we're gonna take some time just to pray and I will welcome you to just say yes to the shepherd and to enter in, come through the gate, enter into relationship, have your eyes open to him. But for the rest of what I'm gonna talk about, I'm gonna assume that we have already entered into this relationship. And then to ask the question, what does it mean now for our ongoing life to have ears to hear the voice of the shepherd right here and right now? So we're going to take a look at the shepherd first, and then we're going to take a look at us, the sheep. And we're going to do this fairly quickly, but I've got four things to tell you about the shepherd and three things to tell you about the sheep. So you ready? Shepherd. And each of the things that we're going to look at are absolute givens. They are sure-fired, they are guaranteed statements about who He is and what He does. The first thing is, He speaks. So this whole chapter assumes that this is the reality. There's no question, this passage is dependent on this fact. The shepherd speaks, the sheep hear, and they respond. And the clear implication of this passage is that He keeps on speaking. He keeps on using his voice so that we can be drawn into deeper relationship. His voice is the mechanism for relationship, for communication, for connection, and he wants us to know him. He wants us to enter more deeply in because the voice is crucial for relationship. So Sarah and I have a, a grief in our life at the moment, someone that is very dear to us, has stopped talking. They've stopped using their voice. They've stopped communicating. And effectively, what they've done is they have cut off relationship. And it's painful because the voice opens the door and draws us into relationship. The shepherd speaks. There's no question, he keeps on speaking. So, how does he speak? What are the ways the shepherd speaks to us? I actually want you to answer. So, just shove it out. How does he speak? The Bible. Yes. Amen. It's full of the voice of the Lord. How else does he speak? Through the Spirit. Spirit. What else? Preaching. We we trust. (laughs) You've been praying. Lord, may you speak. How else does he speak? Creation, we see it and we're drawn to him. Other believers, a wise counsel, things they say and just it sparks and we go, yes. What else? Somebody else. Hymns. Yeah, on and on, the the quiet in our heart, our soul. Um, He speaks in so many different ways. And the only question is, what does his voice sound like and will we recognize it? Now, we're going to come to that in a bit when we talk about the sheep. But this is the first thing he speaks. The second thing that's true about the shepherd is he calls his sheep by name. That's what verse 3 tells us. He calls his own sheep by name. So what this means is we are individually in his sights. It's incredibly personal. He knows our name. It's absolutely phenomenal. And this is foundational to relationship. The name is crucial to relationship. So, (laughs) reflecting on how long ago this was, uh, 50 years ago now, in the summer, I was between grade 11 and grade 12 at McGee High School. And in that summer, toward the end of the summer, I got on the boat, downtown Vancouver at the Bayshore Inn, the Malibu Princess, and went with about 65 other people up to Malibu. I was going to be on work crew for that week, or for that month, actually, and there were some 45 of us that were high school students, and there were four, older adult uh, work crew bosses, and I didn't know anybody on the boat. And I can remember walking around, I was gonna be spending a month with these people, walking around, and there uh, it came by the galley where they were serving some food, and there was a woman just uh, outside the galley uh, whose name is Gail. Gail is still a very good friend. In fact, I talked with her on the phone this week, but I'd never ever met her in my life before. And she looked at me and she said, Hi, Tim. I thought, how do you know me? But it immediately drew me into connection with her. Now, I discovered later when I was a work crew boss that weeks in advance, you get the whole slew of applications from each of the 45 high school students with all their information, their name, and a picture. And your first order of business is to memorize all their names and what they look like. Why? Well, because the name is crucial to relationships. She spoke by name, drew me into friendship. The shepherd knows your name. The third thing uh, is that he leads them. Verse 3 goes on to say, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You see, his voice is relational, but it's also purposeful. He wants to bless the sheep, us, by leading us into the things that he's got prepared for us. Psalm 23, which we know so well, many of us have memorized, says that he leads me beside quiet waters. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Well, Because he's with me. He leads me. And the Apostle Paul at the the end of chapter 2 in Ephesians will say that he leads us, leads me into good works that he's created in advance for me to do that I might step into them, that I might walk in them. He leads. He doesn't want us to miss it. So this is crucial. At so many times in life. It's been crucial for me at so many times in life. But about a year ago, a year and a half ago, This was really crucial as I was approaching this weird new adventure in life called retirement. And what was that going to look like? But to know that the shepherd was going to lead me. I didn't know I was going to be here on this Sunday morning. I didn't know some of the other things, but the Lord leads. He cares. He has prepared in advance things for us to step into. He leads. And so he speaks. He knows us by name, he leads, and the fourth thing is, he knows his sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, I know them. See, it's not just our names he knows, he knows us. He knows everything about us. And why? Well, he knows us because he cares to know it. Uh, Jesus will say in Luke 12, verse 7, that the very hairs of our head are numbered. Some of us have fewer hairs now than we used to have. And I think that even when I toweled off from the shower this morning, I lost three or four more. But he knows. He's got them all numbered. He's got them all counted. He cares to know. And it's not just the details, He knows my heart's desires. He knows my longings, my aspirations, my pains, my griefs, my insecurities. Sarah knows those too. In fact, she usually knows them way better than I do myself. But Jesus knows better yet. He knows because he cares for me. Inside and out. Psalm 139 says this, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Well, let's go back to Psalm 139. Search me and you know me, and you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. He knows my sin, my guilt, my failings. He knows my strengths, my joys my hopes. He knows it all. He's the shepherd and he loves me. He loves you too. So these four things are true about the shepherd. They're absolute sure-fired guarantees. He speaks. He knows the sheep by name. He leads them. He knows them. Personalizing it, he speaks to me. He knows my name. He leads me, he knows me, and you too. Now, what about the sheep? What about the sheep themselves? What about me? What about you? Well, there's three things that I notice here. And the first is that the sheep know his voice. Uh, The passage will go on to say the sheep know him. Verse 4, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. I've got to tell you, when I've read this verse uh, for so many years, I've often read it as kind of pressure on me. I think I've immediately turned this verse inside and out, inside out and asked, do I? Do I hear his voice? Do I, do I know his voice? Do I truly know him? And I've got to say those are all very good questions, but I think we actually need to first take this verse at absolute face value to hear it as just a simple, concrete statement of fact. I am his sheep, therefore I know his voice. You are his sheep, therefore you know his voice. Do you believe that? because we've got Jesus' word on it, absolutely. Oh, we may need to get to know his voice better, undoubtedly. We may need to get to know him better, undoubtedly. But we know his voice and we know him. That's bedrock foundation. So take it on faith and stand in that place and know that you know his voice. And then get to know his voice better. One of the best ways of doing that is taking the Bible and reading through it regularly bit by bit, doesn't have to be huge chunks, but bit by bit, regularly. Apparently, when somebody goes um, to the gym for a workout, which I don't actually know a whole lot about, <laughs> or when somebody goes out for a long run, which I know something more about, either of those things, going to the gym or going for a long run, you're able to do it because you've got muscles already. And you do it to strengthen those muscles, to train them. We read his word because we know his voice. And as we read, we get to know his voice better. We strengthen those muscles. So the first thing is the sheep know his voice. Take it on faith. Uh, The second thing is the sheep listen. Uh, His sheep listen to his voice. The sheep are attentive, they hear, they, they recognize his voice, they pay attention to it, and they take in what he's saying. I've got to tell you that I have been yearning to hear the Lord's voice more clearly for years. In fact, probably about 40 years ago, I stumbled upon a, a scripture, two verses in the Old Testament, which I've since discovered are um, anchored in the third of the servant songs in Isaiah. They're songs and statements about Jesus himself. But as I read it, it it came alive for me with yearning for myself and became a prayer. It's Isaiah 50, verse 4 and 5. And it says, The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the words that sustain the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. The Sovereign Lord has opened my ears and I've not been rebellious. I've not drawn back. What a wonderful passage. It's true about Jesus. We are in Christ. It's meant to be true of us also. And it's been a yearning. And I think when I first stumbled upon those verses, I had a particular idea in mind of what that was going to look like, what it would be like to hear the voice of the shepherd. And I hadn't grabbed hold of the fact that Jesus, as the shepherd, this first point about the sheep, says that we know his voice. And I was just hoping and yearning that I would hear his voice. In those days, I had a roommate before Sarah, uh, a friend of mine that I lived with for a year. And Ian uh, was very gifted as an evangelist, and he had a particular sensitivity to the voice of God. And so he'd be heading into a meeting, and he would just have a deep sense of what was meant to happen in that meeting, kind of prompted by the Lord. Sometimes he would meet with somebody, and he would know beforehand that they were going to come to faith in Jesus that day. One time, he was uh, walking in the residential area at UBC, and he just had this prompting from God. He knew that God was speaking, that he needed to go to the UBC hospital where an old family friend was was there in the intensive care. And he had a message to speak to him. I think the message was just simply, God loves you. And so he went right then and there. He got to the hospital. And uh, this old family friend, who was quite old at that point, uh, in bad shape, sat up in the bed. And Ian said to him, God loves you. And the man lost strength and fell backward and died. And that message in that moment was prompted by the nudging that he'd received as he was walking on the road. And I thought, wow, I, I want to hear God's voice. And I expected if I was going to hear God's voice, it was going to be just like that. But what I've discovered since is God speaks to us all in different ways. Isn't that good? He speaks to us. He speaks to us. We know His voice, but it's in different ways for different ones of us. So for me, I think I most regularly hear His voice as I read the scriptures daily. There's this regular ongoing bit by bit of understanding more of who he is, and being refreshed. But then sometimes there's this aha moment where something just seems to leap right off the page. So I had this experience about three years ago at the beginning of the year. I was sitting, as I remember it, in the sanctuary of the church I was serving in Abbotsford. And I was reading in the book in the Old Testament, Haggai, which I must say I've not spent a lot of time in. It's only two chapters long. And I got to verse 19 of chapter 2 and it leapt off the page. From this day on, I will bless you. I thought that's a message for me and for our congregation. And it sustained me over many months and I kept on praying into it. So I've got another story to tell you. And again, I tell you this story just for encouragement that God speaks to us in different ways. He doesn't have to speak to you like this. This happened when I was on the pastoral staff here at Granville. I was 47, I'd been in this church the whole of my life. I'd been serving on the pastoral staff for about 23 years at that point. And I came home late in the year of 2003, it was November, uh, came home from an elders meeting and rolled into bed and I said to Sarah, I think it's time for us to leave. And I just knew that I knew that the Lord was calling us to move on to something else. Sarah had often asked me, what do you see yourself doing after Granville? And I would always say, I can't imagine, I don't don't see anything, I I can't imagine being anywhere other than Granville. But that night, I just knew that he was calling us to leave. And I fully expected the way he was going to keep on speaking was to show us the next thing, and then we would let go of this here and move into that next thing. And we were praying for that. About three months later, the elders uh, had asked me, in preparation for a meeting, uh, we were looking at where Granville was going, and they asked me to uh, tell them what I saw for myself five years out. (laughs) We were meeting in the lounge, and I knew I needed to just tell them what I was thinking, and I did. I said, this is what I'm sensing. And they were so incredibly supportive and loving and caring. And they said, is there anything we can do to kind of shift things up to make this work? But we're, we're, we want you to follow God. And, and so it was, a very, um, it was a very sweet time. And after it, Wayne Elderton, everybody else left. Wayne was the chair of the elders at that point. And he said to me, what did you hear? So I told him what I just told you now. And then I know that Wayne has a particular way of hearing God speak. So I said, what did you hear? He said, I heard the word release, that they're releasing you to do what God is calling you to do. So that word stood out. But four months later, there was a guy uh, who had been on the pastoral staff here briefly while he studied at Regent, uh, Chris, and he came back to teach at Regent, and we were having lunch in July, and I was telling him my whole story, and I was knowing that God was calling us to leave, but I was waiting for the next thing, and he said to me, if if you know that God is calling you to leave, why don't you just resign? Struck fear in my heart. And then he used the word release. I thought, oh, that's interesting. About two weeks later, I met with another guy who was a counselor, and I told him my story, and he said the same thing to me Why don't you just resign? And I thought, it struck fear in my heart. And then at the end of the summer, Sarah and I were up at Barnabas Family Ministries on Keats Island. We were speaking, and um, There was a young couple from Marine View Chapel that had gone through the experience of God calling them into something new uh, individually, and they both left what they were doing with no means of support, and they saw God uh, care for them over the next period of time. It was so encouraging. And towards the end of the week, in fact, the last day before we left, they said they'd like to meet with us to pray. And so um, as we sat in the room, just the four of us, uh, she said... I've got a word for you. I don't know if it'll mean anything to you. The word is release. That means something. So then we left there on the Friday and I came home and on the Saturday I was preparing my sermon for the next day and I was completely stressed because I told the elders I was gonna let them know what was happening next by the end of the summer. This was now the last Sunday, the last weekend of August. And Sarah came into my study where I was studying, trying to get ready. She said, how are you doing? And I just burst into tears. And I said, I'm feeling so stressed about this. And she said, well, let me just pray for you. And she prayed and she said, Lord, would you please, guide Tim, and may it be through your word. And so I was preaching that Sunday from 1 Timothy uh, that says, godliness with contentment is great gain. And the cross-reference led me back to the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was saying, the birds of the air, the flowers of the field, God takes care of them. If he takes care of them, how much more will he take care of you, O you of little faith, and I knew that was my issue. one thing to trust the Lord when you're getting a paycheck, and another thing to trust Him when you're not. And so I knew that I needed to just resign and trust the Lord for what was next. So we told the elders that week, and toward the end of September, uh, we let the congregation know, and we finished uh, at the end of that year. So at the end of September, Sarah and I were having our quiet time in the morning, and Sarah kind of yelped, and she said, I've got a verse for you so let me read it to you. It's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 23. And the verse says, I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. (laughs) Isn't that great? And so the Lord speaks in different ways. And I know he speaks to each of us because he said he does and we will recognize his voice, but we do need to listen. We do need to be attentive. So the third and final thing about the sheep is that the sheep follow. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. The sheep don't just listen and sit still. No, they follow. He speaks so that we might engage in life, and his intention is that we get on track with him and follow after him. And so take the step. Whatever it is he's speaking into your heart, take the step. Is he speaking to you about spending more time in his word? Well, do it. Go home this afternoon and take your Bible and start. Read one chapter. Read one portion. Don't put it off. Step in. Has he been prompting you to reach out to someone in need? Don't put it off. Take the step. Perhaps he's been prompting you about someone that you need to forgive and you don't want to, and they don't deserve it, they never do, (laughs) but you know that he's speaking to you. Don't put it off, just do it. Maybe it's an issue of giving. Maybe he's asking you to stretch right now to meet a particular need. Well, don't hold back. Or perhaps it's a commitment to prayer. There's someone that you know you need to be praying for regularly or some situation. Put a reminder in your smartphone so it dings every time at lunch or dinner or whenever, and pray. Do it, whatever it may be. And what about for Granville? What about for this dear community? What does it mean to listen and what does it mean to follow? And it is likely that in this season, each of you has particular longings and pictures and images in your mind of what this next season is going to be and how the Lord should answer. how he will meet the needs of this church and what the timing will be and how he will work through a transitional pastor and how he will work through the leadership team and what the new lead pastor might be like and what they might do. And all of these hopes and dreams impact your prayers and that's good. It's the way it should be. Pray them. Pray them with passion. But keep listening. Keep listening because the Lord may actually have something different in mind than what you have been expecting. So listen and be ready to follow, even if it's an unexpected direction, even if it stretches, even if it calls for sacrifice. Three things about the sheep. Against the background of the surety of of who the shepherd is, three things about the sheep you know his voice, stand in that confidence, walk in it. Secondly, listen intently, attentively, regularly. And thirdly, follow quickly, closely. Let's pray together. And so, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you, in fact, are the Good Shepherd. You are so good and so loving that you have laid down your life for us. Greater love has no one, and we thank you. Thank you that you have saved us and rescued us. Thank you that you, your intention is that we would know you better and better and better, that we too, like John, would know that we are the one that Jesus loves. And so, Lord, would you please uh, give us patience in listening and attentiveness in listening and faith knowing that we know your voice and through your word and through circumstance and through people and through uh, the divine whisper in our hearts. Would you please make your voice known and then please strengthen us with power by your spirit and in our inner being that we might step into the things that you are speaking to us about. And Lord, as we come to a conclusion here, I want to lead in prayer now for anyone who has not yet entered into the gate, entered through the gate, entered into salvation. And so, Lord, on their behalf, with them praying along, we want to say simply, yes. Yes, we receive the gift of your life laid down for us so that we could be rescued and saved. Yes. We respond, would you please open our eyes, open our ears. And would you please, by your spirit, lead us in following you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.